0: Hello and welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Cimini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. It's been a few weeks since we last talked, and there's been a lot going on with free agency. And of course, the Tyreek Hill situation, the biggest trade the Jets never made. Well, let's jump right in, starting with Hill, and then we're going to get to a whole bunch of free agency nuggets in the second quarter. But let's start with the headline here. Tyreek Hill, of course, traded to Miami for five draft picks on Wednesday, including a first-rounder and a second-rounder. He also signed a three-year extension with Miami. Overall, a four-year deal for $120 million. I know you have some questions about this, and I'll try to answer them as best as I can. This actually started on March 12th when Hill tweeted, and I quote, We came a long way. Thank you, Chiefs Kingdom. I'm forever indebted. Obviously, at that time, things were falling apart in Kansas City, unbeknownst to anyone outside the organization. He wanted to be the highest paid receiver in the league, and the Chiefs didn't want to invest that much in a 28-year-old player. The tweet caught the Jets' eye. I think Joe Douglas has been lurking in the wide receiver weeds the last couple of weeks, looking to make a big deal. I know he called the Seahawks about D.J. Metcalf, and he's not available. So I think Joe was kind of lurking and keeping an eye on this situation. The Jets were absolutely in on Hill. It was them and the Dolphins. The Jets, in the words of one source, told me they took a they took a big swing. They did the best they could. They offered two twos and a three, and they would have gotten Hill. A six-time Pro Bowler, by the way, I'm sure you already knew that, but they would have gotten Hill in a low three back in return. My sources tell me that their contract offer was similar to the one that Hill ended up getting from the Dolphins. The Chiefs, we know, accepted both trade offers from the Jets and the Dolphins, and they left it up to Hill. I don't think the Jets were overly optimistic about their chances, and this I'm getting... As, as it was going on in real time, I was in touch with some people. And they they never thought they had him. They never thought they were the number one team. One source told me he wasn't holding his breath, and that he never expected to land Hill. But they were fighting. They were trying. They were trying to get him. Personally, I didn't think the Jets were going to get him. In fact, I texted my editor during the one-hour uh, waiting period and just saying, look, he's not going to the Jets. He's going to the Dolphins. Robert Sala is a good salesman, but come on. Miami is a better team, better weather, no state income tax. Let's not underestimate that. And I hear Hill has an off-season home in Florida. You can't help but wonder, though, if the Jets got used here by Hill just to get the Dolphins to sweeten their contract offer. It, hop, it happens a lot, you know. Agents, players, even other teams use the Jets for leverage. They know it. The Jets know it. They're they're familiar with this. They're wary of it. But sometimes you get caught up in situations. If they really wanted Hill, they would have made an offer the Chiefs couldn't refuse. If the Jets had offered the 10th overall pick, that would have been far superior to the Dolphins' offer based on the point value chart. The Chiefs could have demanded that 10th pick, in fact, but they probably didn't even try because they knew Hill didn't want to go to the Jets. He wanted the Dolphins. So... They accepted the offers from the Jets, from the Dolphins, and they let Hill make his decision. So in the end, the Jets got into a sweepstakes for a terrific player who would have changed their offense and really helped Zach Wilson, but in reality, they had little chance of getting that player. So what did we learn about this brief and intense flirtation? I was thinking of the uh, line from the Anchorman when uh, Will Farrell's character says, well, that, esca- that, that escalated quickly, and that's exactly what happened with this situation here. It escalated quickly. So what did we learn? Well, Joe Douglas isn't afraid to make a big move. He's been hinting about it all offseason, saying he was positioned to strike. If the opportunity was there, it wasn't lip service. Also, sources tell me the Jets strategically backloaded their free agent contracts in part to create flexibility in case something like this came along. He just couldn't close the deal. So what else is new? And I'm sure you're frustrated seeing your team get involved in a high-profile player and coming up empty. Part of it is the Jets' tax. You know, it's a bad team, a question mark at quarterback, yada, yada, yada. Sometimes you have to overpay for these kind of players, and Douglas refuses to do it. Now, he's made some good moves this offseason, and I'll get into that in the second quarter. And I think what you see with the Jets is they're driving along the road nicely in a Toyota Camry. But some of these teams in the AFC, they're racing past the Jets in Ferraris. Slow and steady can be good, but sometimes you have to get a little crazy and throw caution to the wind. And right now, I don't think the Jets are progressing fast enough with the way some of these teams are making these blockbuster moves in the AFC. So what happens now at wide receiver? Well, obviously, they could take one with a first-round pick, either 4 or 10. I would guess 10 is probably the better spot. Douglas will continue to monitor the trade market. One name to watch. A.J. Brown is looking for a new deal in Tennessee. He's a fantastic young receiver. He's entering his fourth year. He's got only one year left on his rookie deal. G.M. Titans GM John Robinson said at the Scouting Combine that they're in preliminary talks with Brown, and they'll get around to it eventually. Well... If that blows up, I'd watch the Jets. You know, not only is he a good receiver and would fill a need, we know that Brown and Elijah Moore are very, very close friends. They play together at Ole Miss. Moore told me last season that he and A.J. talk every day. They're in constant communications. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying that would be a situation to watch. If the Jets don't trade for a young guy who's in, you know, in a contract situation, then obviously – we revert to the draft, and all eyes will be on wide receiver during the draft. All right, let's talk free agency now. The Jets have been fairly active so far. By my count, they've given out seven multi-year contracts, totaling $69 million in fully guaranteed money. Uh, That is slightly lower than what they gave out last year, But, uh, you know, still a pretty good chunk. Uh, Let's go through some of the players. I think the Jets, you know, I think the best move they made by far was getting Lakin Tomlinson. He'll be their starting right guard. Very good run blocker, only 30 years old. He'll help the interior of that line for sure. Um, He knows the scheme, he knows the coaches. It should be a seamless transition. The only question is that he has never played right guard, he's been a left guard. I've talked to some veteran offensive linemen. They say that, yeah, there might be some growing pains, but that it should be able to overcome it just because of his experience and his background in the scheme. I thought this was a good contract for the Jets. It's 13.9, fully guaranteed. Uh, For practical purposes, there's a $26 million guarantee, which is pricey. But if he lives up to his potential and plays the way he has been, I think it's a good deal. Uh, the most interesting thing is, you know, the two tight ends coming in, uh, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. Two tight ends was not their original plan. I think once the wide receiver market dried up and they realized they weren't going to get one of the free agent receivers that they wanted, they pivoted. Joe Douglas pivoted and went after uh, Conklin. So they bring in the two tight ends. Obviously, you're going to see more 12 personnel. I think they overpaid Uzama. He's getting $15 million fully guaranteed. He's had some injury issues in the past. Now, he is coming off a good year. Uh, in fact, all these free agents the Jets signed are coming off career years. Statistically, uh, Uzama, Conklin, D.J. Reed. Uh, that could be a double-edged sword. It shows that they're all ascending players But you wonder, have they reached their ceiling? So that's the thing you always wonder about. With Conklin and Azuma, neither one of them is a big play tight end. We're not talking Kyle Pitts here. I think they will help Zach Wilson in the intermediate game. Wilson was terrible last year when targeting tight ends. Now, granted, he did not have great receiving tight ends. Um, He had a league low passer rating when targeting tight ends, Um, and so not good not good at all in fact when he was throwing over the middle which is often where you throw to the tight ends he had only two touchdowns and five interceptions i think the uzama conklin tandem allows for a little a little more creativity creates some favorable matchups for the jets so they get two starters in the secondary dj reed and jordan whitehead two capable starters uh, obviously, coming from good programs. You know, Seattle, obviously not a good year this year, but they're a proven winning program. Whitehead comes from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winning a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, Reed thinks he's as good as Jalen Ramsey. He's not. Uh, he had really good analytics last year. If you break down the cornerback analytics, which a lot of teams rely on, including the Jets, th- that's one of the attractions. He'll be a good scheme fit. He knows Sala, he played for him in San Francisco. So, again, just like you saw with Tomlinson, familiarity is important. But he's only 5'9". He will not, despite his his uh, objections, he will not be considered a cornerback one. He'll start on one side. I think you'll see Brandon Echols or Bryce Hall start on the other side. And, yes, cornerback is still in play for the draft. Just because they got D.J. Reed doesn't mean it's out of the question. Whitehead, you know, this was interesting because there were a lot of talk about how they were targeting Marcus Williams from New Orleans. And my sources tell me that they were interested in Marcus Williams, but another source told me they never made an offer. Uh, it got a little high for them at $14 million a year. He ends up going to Baltimore. One source told me that tar- Whitehead was always their target. And he's a good player. You know, he does struggle in coverage from time to time, but he's a big hitter. I think he'll set a tone on defense. He'll bring some nasty to that defense. He will tackle, and we cannot underestimate the importance of tackling. The Jets had some bad tackling safeties last year, and, I mean, it's just like simple logic. Your safeties have to be good tacklers. They're the last line of defense. The Jets gave up, I think it was 33 completions of 20-plus air yards last year. In other words, teams were throwing over the top constantly on them. That was the highest number in the league. Uh, Whitehead will help. I think he's more of a box safety. I think think I think safety is still in play in the draft. Uh, you know, right now they would start with Whitehead and Lamarcus Joyner, who they got back on on a modest deal. But I think obviously that's an area you're still looking to upgrade. Now Jacob Martin, pass rusher from Houston, three years, thirteen and a half million. I thought this was a reach. They gave him 6 million fully guaranteed. He's a situational rusher. He won't start. He's undersized. He's only in the 240s. He's not good against the run. I think the Jets fell in love with his analytics. He's got a really good get-off time. His pressure percentage is up there, but career high 4 sacks in a season. He's not a closer. I just really wonder how they're going to use him. Well, I know how they're going to use him. He's going to be a situational rusher. He'll be like a third or fourth defensive end, and he'll rotate in. But I think he'll be a liability against the run. Clearly, clearly, and you guys know this, edge rusher is still a need. I would be shocked, shocked if they don't draft an edge rusher with the fourth or tenth pick. Uh, it's just a matter of which one. So uh, so I like what they did in free agency. They got four starters. They got Tomlinson, Reed, Whitehead, and Azama slash Conklin. We'll count them as one starter. You could almost really count them as two, but you know what I mean. So you got four starters, and you got a role player in Jacob Martin coming off the bench. That uh, seventh multi year contract, of course, I was referring to Braxton Barrios, who returns for two years $12 million. If you recall what I said in the podcast last time, I said the Jets would sign him for somewhere between five and six million a year. That's exactly what they did. I think the market wasn't as robust as Berrios thought it would be. And so he comes back to the Jets with seven million fully guaranteed. Hey, look, that's a good deal for Braxton Berrios. Seven million fully guaranteed for a, you know, a three slash four receiver and really good kickoff returner. So, like I said, solid job by Joe Douglas and free agency. I'd give the grade a B. These are not household names. They're not sexy names. Uh, It's not going to move the needle around the league, especially with all the big-name signings, mostly in the AFC. So the Jets made some decent progress. I just wonder if they've made enough. And it's Twitter time. Questions pouring in today. Uh, so many questions on what the Jets have done, what they might do this offseason. So let's jump it in, jump right into it with Alex at, at Alex Dimful. Rich, what do you expect the Jets to do with the four first four picks they have? Do you think they'd go with Drake London at four and Sauce Gardner at ten, or edge and wide receiver? Also, do you think they uh, would draft Zach's old running back from BYU? Well, let's get to the top four. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think edge rusher will be one of those spots. I could see them going Edge at 4 and then Drake London at 10. Uh, I've written this. Everyone thinks they will take Kayvon Thibodeau. I I, I am not so sure that will happen. I am not so sure he's a jet kind of player. Uh, I could see Trayvon Walker there, or maybe they go um, with something else. Maybe they go Sauce at 4 and then hit on a Jermaine Johnson at 10. He's a player from Florida State that they like a lot. So there's a lot of different combos the way they can go. But I think those first four picks are going to be edge, wide receiver, corner, and then fill in the blank, you know, best available. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if they trade one of those picks. Uh, They could trade 10 for a future one. I think that's something Joe Douglas would be interested in doing and uh, I am not sure about the running back from BYU, so I don't want to give you a wrong answer there. Uh, the Next question at Central NJ Guy. Uh, Mackay is coming off an injury where he did not play a full game last season. Will the Jets draft a first round OT? Uh, is either insurance for Mackay and Fant? Fant had a great year, but he's 30, only one year remaining on his contract, or they wait until the later rounds? Well, Central Jersey, I think uh, they will probably wait. I think Joe Douglas kind of boxed himself in here a little bit. Uh, I, I, let's say they're picking at four. Ikiokuanu, who from every scout that I've talked to is in love with Ikiokuanu. You know, they say he's an absolute beast and future star. But if you draft him at four, then you have three tackles. You have Becton Fant, who, who the Jets really like a lot. And then you'd have a Quanu. What do you do then? You can't move one of them to guard because you just paid a fortune for Tomlinson and you already got Vera Tucker. So that's why I think they will not address offensive line at the fourth pick. If they do, I think it means that Makai Becton is going to go elsewhere. Uh, and I don't think they want to trade Becton. I think they want to see give him one more season to see if he can f- fulfill his immense potential so that's why I think no O-line at four. I think you'll see a Fant-Becton combo at tackle this year. Next one from at the Phenom 6 How come the Jets haven't shown interest in J.C. Tretter? He's better than McGovern and hasn't had the hottest market. He might make another excellent addition. Uh, you might be able to move McGovern to guard. They're not going to move McGovern to guard. He's either a center or he's going to be out. And he could very easily be out if the they, the Jets were really, really interested in Ryan Jensen, who ended up going back to Tampa Bay for three years thirty nine million. The Jets were in on that one. They wanted to upgrade there. That would have been a good upgrade uh, once again, maybe they got used in negotiations to get you know for leverage. But uh, I think they're leaning toward McGovern right now. JC Treder is a is a guy who's been around a lot. He's a little older than McGovern. Uh, but he has had some lingering knee issues that I think might be a little bit of a concern. I'm not ruling it out. Uh, something to watch. We definitely know the Jets are not locked into McGovern. We definitely learned that this offseason. So uh, maybe they draft one. You know, maybe they pick up a free agent, but it's something to watch. At Dan Schnock has a good question. Uh, amid some of the recent tra- changes on the coaching staff, it seems like there's more emphasis on succession planning than in the past. Which I think is a great sign of Salah's leadership. What do you think? Absolutely. I think he's trying to create a pipeline uh, for, of coaches. And that's what smart coaches do. I mean, you're seeing it on offense. They have Mike LaFleur as an offensive coordinator. I think Salah is really confident that someday LaFleur will move on to become a head coach. I don't think that's anytime soon. But you always want to have someone in the pipeline to take over. Rob Calabrese, they're very high on. He sticks around this year as a quarterback's coach. Gone is Matt Cavanaugh. Gone is John Beck, back to private uh, tutoring in the quarterback world. So I think he set up something there on offense. Now, they almost lost Calabrese. The University of Kentucky wanted him to be their OC. He did not get that job, so that would have disrupted things a little bit. And, but I think on defense, probably trying to set up a very similar thing. That's Hey, look at Belichick. That's what he's done for years. He always tries to develop young coaches. He brings them in. They work in the as quality control guys. They work like a zillion hours a week, don't make much money. But that's where they learn the game. And I think Tr- Sal is trying to create something similar, which is good. At Greg Romano 9, is the organization really bummed about land, not landing Tyreek? Do we know what the Jets offered? Yeah, well, we do know what the Jets offered. They offered, uh, as I said earlier, they offered the two, two twos, a three, and they would have gotten back Hill and a low three. So I thought that would have been a really good trade for the Jets. Now the contract would have been massive, you know, 28-year-old receiver, who relies on speed once he loses that speed, which is going to happen inevitably. Is he the same player? I still think it would have been a really good trade for the Jets. I would have given up my two twos at a heartbeat to get Tyreek Hill. He would have made Zach Wilson that much better at quarterback. Are they bummed about losing him? I think they were realistic about it. I think they knew they were the underdog going in. And they gave it a shot and it didn't work out. So I don't think they were really bummed, as I mentioned at the top. I think as they were going through it in real time, I think they were more or less resigned to the fact that he wasn't going to land there. But they gave it a shot. (whistles) We've talked about free agency and some Tyreek Hill, but I'd like to close with a small tribute to our good friend, John Clayton, who passed away Last week, at the age of 67, uh, untimely death shocked every one of us. Uh, John was a dear friend. I've known him for 25 years, and as you guys know, loyal listeners know that he was on Flight Deck twice. My favorite one was back in 2019 when we talked about his iconic appearance on the Sports Center commercial. And you guys know the commercial when he plays the, uh, you know, uh, metalhead who is doing his hit on Sports Center. It is absolutely legendary at ESPN. And he talked about it, about how he loved the script immediately, and that he flew down to L.A. to film it. He said there were 65 people on the set when they were filming it. He said there were even two hairdressers, hairdressers which shocked him because he doesn't even have that much hair. And he said it took 28 take, 21 takes to do that commercial. He said they nailed it after about 10 or 11, but they kept on doing some extra takes, which became outtakes, which uh, I guess you can pick them up on YouTube. But he just took so much joy in telling the story of the commercial. It was one of his pride and joys, and he just loved talking football. He really changed the way we cover football today. He was ahead of his time in terms of reporting on the salary cap, transactions, even the minutiae of football. I can't tell you how many times he would call me and ask for contract information on no-name rookie free agents, all because he had to complete his data. You know He inputted all the contracts into a spreadsheet. He kept everyone in the league for every team. He was just obsessed with it. He loved football. He could talk for hours for football. We did talk for hours for football as recently as 10 days ago about the Russell Wilson trade. So it hurts my heart to say that he's gone. He was a dear, dear friend. Condolences to his wife, Pat, who I've met. She's a wonderful woman. And condolences to his family, the late, great John Clayton, will never be replaced. Thank you for checking in this week on Flight Deck. We'll be back before the draft. I want to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin.